and welcome to The Hearing. I'm John. And from Chicago's north side, I'm Scotto. Before we get to this week's album, there's something I was thinking about the other week, um, particularly because of The Dark Side last week. I think if I were to name the best albums we've reviewed in the five years of The Hearing, they'd all be from the same era. <laughs> you know, for me, it's Dark Side, Zeppelin IV, and Aqualung. You might sub out, you know, uh, ELP or, or Bowie. Hmm. But there's just, what is it about 70s music? Or you know, late 60s, 70s music? That that early 70s. Well, you know what? It, it's because rock was new, I think. Newish. Mm, 15 years old by that point. Well, right. But they were at least, they, they were looking to expand on it. They mm. were looking to build upon it. You know, there was a real like, well, what can we do to explore? Like, this, with, like what was done with this album that we're about to review and just, you know, merging mm-hmm. things together. And it, I think you're kind of on to something. I think maybe because, and I'm going to sound like such an old man, because, <laughs> old, old person, um, because it was before MTV. Hmm. And, and the, by and large, commoditization of the music industry? Well, I think MTV, in a way, helped because I think things were getting kind of stale. Well, it did yeah, in that, that sense. But that's, that's why, it, I mean, New Wave was such a, like, needed thing. Yeah. Before that, it was punk. They were looking for, they were kind of looking for, you know, cheap shortcuts to, you know, spice things up. But, I mean, yeah, there had always been the popular thing that was treated as a commodity. But I think when the 80s happened, everything became a commodity. That was kind of the beginning of that. Because think about it. The mid-70s, it, it's not quite the same as the early 70s, you know? Mm, right. I mean, there were some good albums out in the, the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. But there was also a lot of bands that were kind of like, now what? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Well, a <laughs> they, lot of them. They I kind mean, of ran out. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, by mid but then again, no, because back in the late sixties, early seventies, they were putting shit out like every year, mm-hmm. or sometimes multiple albums in a year. Mm. You know, the shocking thing to find out that Credence Clearwater Revival only happened over like a like a five, six year period. The mm. whole band yeah, yeah. done. Same with the Beatles, really. They were only around for like six like six or seven years. When did they split? Uh the last album was in 70, but I think they were done before that because okay, they, so... rec- they recorded Let It Be in January of 69. And then they did Abbey Road after that in late 69. Ed Sullivan was 64. Yeah. So I feel like they probably had a couple albums out by that point. And think about it. They only played the U.S. like once or twice. Yeah. Kind of, you know, well, that was Sullivan it. And, and the Shea Stadium show. Yeah. Coming here to Chicago and eating at Margie's uh, mm-hmm. Sunday shop. I think <laughs> Margie's candies. Well, this is something I'll, I'll touch on in this week's review. I think experimentation was more accepted then. Mm-hmm. You know, when it got to the 80s, it became, we need to chase the hit. Yeah. Yeah. I think even the mid-70s, there, there were a lot of people chasing hits. Anyway. On to this week's album, which is from 1968, Truth by Jeff Beck. This is, of course, a tribute to the late, great Jeff Beck. 
Jeff Beck was an English guitarist best known for being one of the three legendary guitarists who play in the Yardbirds, as I refer to them, the Yardbirds trinity, Eric Clapton, <laughs> Jeff Beck, and Jimmy Page, and releasing many amazing and often groundbreaking solo and collaborative albums over more than five decades. Yes, his career was five over five decades. And just being one of the greatest players to ever pick up the instrument. Truth is his debut studio album. It was released on July 29th, 1968 in the US by Epic Records and in the UK by EMI. Produced by Mickey Most and features Jeff Beck on electric guitars and acoustic guitars on green sleeves, pedal steel guitar on Shape of Things and bass guitar on Old Man River. Rod Stewart on lead vocals. Ronnie Wood on bass guitar. I was surprised by that one. <laughs> yeah, that was a surprise. Mickey Waller on drums with additional musicians. John Paul Jones, bass guitar on Beck's Valera. <laughs> that was a real surprise. Hammond Oregon, Old Man River, and You Shook Me. Nicky Hopkins, piano on Morning Dew. You Shook Me, Beck's Valero, and Blues Deluxe. You Know Who, a.k.a. Keith Moon, drums on Beck Valero, and Tiffany on Old Man River. Now, that was the biggest surprise. <laughs> But once you hear it, I'm like, who the fuck is playing drums on this? For me, this was the big, biggest surprise. Jimmy Page, 12-string electric guitar on Beck's Bolero. <laughs> and an unknown Scottish bagpiper, bagpipes on Morning Dew. Reminder, I don't edit any songs to, into our reviews for copyright reasons, but on our blog at John Scott, you'll find links to Truth on Spotify and YouTube, so you can listen along if you'd like. On to track one, Shape of Things. This is... A, is it a cover if the same guy plays it? Um, oh, I don't know. It was originally done by the Yardbirds. Beck played on the original, so I don't know if it quite counts as a cover. Maybe a reimagining? I, yeah, I guess it's his own version of it, yeah. It's definitely a reimagining. Um, love the original. It's one of the two Yardbirds songs I know. I love both of them, this one and For Your Love. I should listen to more of their music. Yeah. Not quite sure what to make of this one, because I'm so familiar with the original. Um, I I think I, I'm trying to remember who sang lead on the original. Keith Ralph, who's a singer from the Yardbirds. Yeah, um, love the groove. I think if I had heard this one first, I'd be saying the opposite that I don't know what to make of the Yardbirds version. Because it's damn strong. I mean, oh yeah, I'm not a big Rod Stewart fan, but I mean here. The man can sing. I mean, <laughs> right. he, he made some very, very questionable choices, song choices in his career, in his solo right. work. Mm-hmm. But the man can sing. Um, I love the bass part on this one. I, ri- I wish Ronnie Wood had played bass more. I think this was his only time as a bass player. Okay. I thought, yeah, he was more rhythm, right? He, well, wait a minute. It's debatable which who plays lead in the Stones. Yeah, because Keith is rhythm. It kind of goes back and forth. Um, love how the panned guitars complement each other. Um, it was great to hear Rod Stewart in his prime. Yeah, the, the, this is just such a soulful peak, you know? And the melody itself. Like, why didn't they sue Night Ranger? <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> and Rod is kind of not sticking to the melody of the original, but it's fairly close. Yeah. He he takes some liberties with it, but... And then, uh, yeah, Night Ranger, I never thought about that. Wow. <laughs> that first solo, very nice and tasteful. I think the second solo gets a little noodly, but I like the harmony in the right ear. 
It's so short, though. I I can't begrudge some noodling, and it's Jeff back. You're gonna get noodling. Uh, yeah, but I have higher standards for him because he because he was so amazing. <laughs> you know, my intro to Jeff Beck was that uh, '85 that Me video too. for Ambitious. It was for me. It was the tr- the single before then. Uh, people get ready with Rod Stewart. Was that before? Because uh, that was the first single off Flash. Actually, my introduction. I'd have to check the years on this. It might have been um, Infatuation. Oh, he played on that one. It was kind of a, like a, a collab with him and Stewart. They kind of got back together. Um, okay. Beck played on a couple of tracks on that album. Um, that the only one I've heard is Infatuation. Um, and Stewart sang the lead off lead off single from Flash. And for those of you not familiar with the video for Ambitious, uh, I strongly recommend watching it. It's um, it's a kind of a who's a weird who's who yeah. of people singing lead vocals and extras. Um, Just you know. don't judge him by the song. I fucking <laughs> loved that album back in the day. The whole video when I was what Donny Osmond trying to get in, they're like, "What have you done lately?" <laughs> but the whole album was just... I mean, yeah. People Get Ready's brilliant. Check that out if you haven't heard it, please. I, I haven't heard it in a long time, actually. Um, but the rest of the album, it was very much Beck trying to be 80s. Yeah. And it was very of its time and not in a good way. Um, <laughs> they screwed him. Um, he even sings lead on a couple of songs, which was a mistake. Yeah, he did that every now and again. Like, I think he even did that on the Yardbirds, right? Well, there were some early singles that he sang lead on. Yeah. Um, but he didn't really, he wasn't a singer. He couldn't. I mean, if you listen to these two songs on his on Flash, he, the, <laughs> one of the greatest guitarists of all time, like I said, yeah. but not a singer. <laughs> and I don't claim to be a great singer myself, but uh, um, back to the <laughs> shape of things. Love the glitchy ending, too. Um, track two, Let Me Love You. Great opening solo, great groove. I don't like the hard panned bass and drums. Um, they're, yeah, they're all the way over on the left. Weird recorded choices that even I, I noticed, but yeah. kind of just, you know, was mm. okay with it. Gotta pick this one as my weakest just because of that panning. It bugged me. Um, and the bass and drums are just too quiet. It kind of gives it a rough feeling, which is, is kind of cool in a way, though. Um, it really, of course, the main attraction is the duet between Rod oh, yeah. Stewart. I love the call and response. And Beck's guitar. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, I'm not a person, a parallel universe person, but mm-hmm. could there be a parallel universe where Rod Stewart was the lead vocalist of Led Zeppelin? Because <laughs> you, you listen to this, you're kind of like, that, that could have really been. I mean, he isn't that far from plant. I feel in this, he's really... On the album in, in whole, he's mm. like kind of doing a Morrison impression a little bit, just picking up like on on Morrison's attack. I mean, it's his voice, obviously. There's only one Rod Stewart voice, right. but he's kind of you know just the whole swagger and attitude. Okay, I get that. And as right. far as Plant goes, <laughs> bear in mind this was maybe the same year as Zeppelin one, well, exactly. maybe the year before. So exactly, he, he wasn't trying to be Plant. <laughs> Well, right, exactly. You hadn't heard of Plant yet. Right. So, I mean, there, it could have easily went where they were like, yeah. I mean, this guy's fucking great. Why don't we just take him right. and be your lead singer? This is why I'm championing Rod Stewart in this case, because 
He's a great singer. Um, I gotta commend him for his choice later in life. He he now does like um, standards. He's a crooner now. A lot of people went. The I standard love that route, choice I because <laughs> you're not 80 years old trying to sing rock songs. Yeah, you know. Um, I I love that choice. It was is he aged very well. Um, and he you know despite his questionable song choices often he is a great <laughs> singer he's he is one of the classic voices in rock and roll track three morning dew love the kind of galloping groove at the beginning and then it settles into this nice r&b groove in the verses um love the little chord stabs it's not something you typically hear from um back rhythm playing like but solid there's a rhythm lot playing. of weird atmospheric things here and you know when we were talking about doing this and I wanted to just do a straight up, you know, Beck instrumental, you know, mm. kind of thing. And you picked one with Rod Stewart, and I was kind of like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> no, yeah, but then when I more. saw when I saw this on the track listing, I was like, "You know what? This could actually be pretty good." And mm. holy shit! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my pick for strongest, right. without a doubt. Mm. Um, you know, it's a it's a folk standard, yeah, and. Stewart just gives you chills on this oh, because yeah. the subject matter of the post-apocalypse and how everybody got killed off mm-hmm. and just him screaming it from the abyss pretty yeah. much, literally. Uh, there, there's just nothing wrong. I mean, this is just a really good song. Mm. Love the melodic bass part, great wah guitar, great build in the chorus, and that gradual slow at the end. Yeah, the weird bagpipes in the intro and Mm -hmm. and outro uh, just everything about this because it's not even like they played it safe anywhere they laid so many strange atmospherics on you Mm -hmm. and and had Stuart just belting away you know screaming that you killed us pretty much this was a close second favorite for me yeah um on to track four my favorite you shook me written by the great willie dixon and jb lenoir um, it's a classic blues song. Love the opening guitar effects. Great piano playing. Um, love the electric piano over on the right. I've heard Muddy do this, and this yeah. song is comp. This version is comparable. I think it suffers from the track tracking on it uh, coming right after Morning Dew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just kind of like a you need a breather kind of thing, uh, and it kind of gets lost for me. For me, it, it's, yeah, I, I know Muddy's version. It was great to hear another take on it. They did a great job. I love the giant, thick bass tone and the breakdown at the end. Track five, Old Man River. Yes, the classic Old Man River. <laughs> this, this gets my pick for weakest. It's just kind of just kind of weird here being here. <laughs> I kind of love that about it, though. Um, the timpanis are amazing because it's Keith Moon. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of jokes are made about Keith Moon, but he was one of the greatest drummers of all time. Oh, of course. I I always kind of get perplexed by people that talk shit about him. It's like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he completely changed the way people go at the instrument. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, great bass tone on this one. Great vocal. I love the lead guitar hits in the second verse. Beck is very restrained on this one, which is not something typical for Beck. Right. And when I first heard it, I'm like, well, what a weird place to fade out. 
And so I ran and listened to the the ropes and you mm-hmm. know version. Yeah. And I was like, oh, after this, there's a lot of talk about dark and stuff and <laughs> this and that. Yeah. yeah, that was probably a good choice to to mm-hmm. cut it at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even at that that year. But yeah, for me, it's just it's just an odd choice, and I don't think it necessarily worked for Rod to be singing ropes and. <laughs> Incidentally, I'm taking back my weakest. I scrolled down a bit and I actually put that twice, but I'm going with the second choice. We'll get that in a minute. Oh, okay. Um, track six, Green Sleeves, the traditional Alas, My Love, You Do Me Wrong, yada yada. <laughs> Written by what, King Henry, I think? Or the lyrics, anyway. I, I'm not sure. I one know the, it's it's just older yeah, than kings. dirt. <laughs> yeah. um, nice to hear some acoustic. Um, some great orchestration. It's just acoustic guitars. Um, it's a nice interlude. Yeah. In fact, this probably should have been after Morning Dew. Yes, <laughs> maybe. This would have been the perfect breather. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice dramatic low parts. Um, track seven, Rock My Plum Soul. I gotta look up what Plum Soul means. Because you <laughs> yeah, hear it once in a while. It is. Like, you know, Alves did uh, Plum Soul Punks. And, yeah. You know, I mean, it's for, like, I think that's from Valley Girl, the Plum Souls. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That the band from the early 80s. Yeah, I don't know what the word actually means. Um, great groove on this one. Love the bass part. I don't love the pan vocals. They're all the way, all the way over on the right. Um, like the guitar stabs in the second verse. Uh, the solo is a bit noodly. Um, probably, it was probably a great live jam. Yeah. It feels like the album's picking back up at this point. Mm-hmm. Like after kind of like this strange <laughs> downward yeah. shift. Yeah. Track eight, Bex Bolero, composed by Jimmy Page, which I never knew. Should Ravel have gotten a little credit too? Well, it's not a take on Ravel, though. They're not playing Ravel. It was a, it was a bolero in the style of Ravel. Is it, uh, okay, okay. It doesn't have that classic Ravel melody. True, but I mean, it's you know <laughs> certainly influenced by him. Why it's yeah. which is why it's called Bex Bolero, right? Um, love the acoustic rhythm guitar. Um, the opening melody is a bit repetitive, but the tone is great, of course, because it's back. Um, love I how mean, it pans the, around. The repetition is part of the appeal of this because it's just that build, that that climax. I mean, it, it, it Ravel is something probably the class. You know, this piece is something I've listened to more than any other classical piece recently because it's mm. just such a. A pick you, me up kind of thing, you know. I, I still connect it to Bo Derek, but well, maybe that's but why it does have a about... great build, though. Oh. Um, I will say, admit that. And the melody, once he gets to it, does sound very Page. Like I can oh, definitely yeah. hear that he wrote it. Um, this would probably be my second favorite on the album because it's just it just jumps out of the, the, the yeah, speakers yeah. at you. I love that low part in the middle. Yeah. Track nine, Blues Deluxe. This is my pick for weakest. It's because, and I think I complained weird. about this on the Muddy album. <laughs> was it Muddy's? I think it was. It was. Uh, there was this seven-minute blues song. This again is a seven-minute blues song that is just too long for blues. It's uh, it's weird. Like they give it this old-time feel, despite it being a new song. Yeah. Um. I think what keeps it from being weak to me is that piano solo in there. That opening piano is great. 
Um, love the groove. The vocal is amazing. Love that little like added applause at one point. There, there's I, yeah, there's like little like applause breaks in there, yeah. which couldn't have been real because no. they were you know, just fucking around. The solo, the proper piano solo, the one that's real high, just kind of got on my nerves. High frequencies bother me though. Oh man, and I feel I, like it's a little cliche. I I am quite the opposite. I I need to learn everything about Nicholas Hopkins. Yeah, but he's I a classic. He played with the Stones. Jesus he's played Christ. with a bunch of yeah. People. I, I didn't realize just how much I've heard of his stuff before. Yeah, yeah. We all have because yeah, he all those Rolling Stones songs with piano was him. Yeah, comes in colors, you know. Mm-hmm. Sympathy for the devil. And, I mean, I'm, I like experimentation. I'm not one for, you know, you have to go by convention. But I will swear by kick, snare, bass, and lead vocal in the middle. <laughs> you don't deviate from that. You can pan the guitars and the keys and the drums, other drums, any way you want. Well, no, drums should be as you hear them. But, you know, pan the guitars and the keys however you want, but keep the kick, bass, snare, and lead vocal in the middle. Huh. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm. Uh, yeah, and I've, I've studied engineering. I just got kind of stuck in that mindset, but it just irritates me to hear any of those things panned. And yeah, this this is probably the most experimental of mm-hmm. the entire album, really. Yeah. Even with with Bolero on yeah. here. <laughs> and finally, track ten. I ain't superstitious. Also written by the great Willie Dixon. Yeah, love the opening hits. Like the stops in the verse. This it's got this massive bass tone, this amazing drum sound. And I haven't really talked about the drums because they were just kind of serviceable through most of the album. But he really shows off on this one. Um, I what tracks does Moon play on? Because there's definitely Bolero. I, it, that that Bolero was it. And, and Old Man River, the timpani. It, it felt like his presence was yeah. on here. Well, I think you know. maybe because he did play on those, Mickey Waller was like kind of fearing for his job. So he, <laughs> he had to really step it up. Uh, but I think for, for this last one, it could be Beck's best playing mm-hmm. on the whole album. I uh, just love that just doubled wah guitar. Um, He's kind of doing a Hendrix. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and I guess he does a Hendrix every now and then here and there, but you know, he, he does have his own voice still. Of course. I mean, yeah. The only person I think who I would, the only great guitar player who I would say was a little too Hendrixy was Stevie Ray Vaughan. But mm. we should do one of his albums. We haven't yet. Yeah. yeah. But, but that drone solo at the end, I think Mickey Waller was thinking, was watching Keith Moon and saying, okay, I got to step it up. Because <laughs> he goes all out on that solo. So do you recommend it? Oh, definitely. This was really enjoyable, and you were definitely right to pick it. Mm. I mean, it's back in his prime. It's yeah. Rod, more importantly, it's Rod Stewart in his prime. Um, it's Ron Wood on bass. Again, should have played more bass because he was amazing as as a bass his player. His bass is great on this. I mean, it was really down on the mix, but it was um, damn good. Mickey Waller's great, but it's also Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones. Kind of right. This here. whole Led, I was not expecting this whole Led Zeppelin, mm. you know, carryover. This was before Zeppelin. Yeah. Those two were were studio guys before Zeppelin, right? Um, and and you know, Nicky Hopkins, of course. Um, 
Well, you, you, the whole point of them splitting the Yardbirds, I thought, was for them all to go their own way. And well, here I they are I, meeting up at this album. And I think I mentioned when we reviewed Zeppelin Four, Zeppelin was originally going to be the new Yardbirds. Yeah. Because of Page. Page was like the carryover and he was going to be carrying the torture of the Yardbirds, but they went with a different name. Anyway, I obviously recommend it. Like last week, if you haven't heard this, what are you doing with your life? Um, <laughs> and that's it for Truth. Until ne- you know, Rest in peace, Mr. Beck. Yes. Until next time when we'll be reviewing Truth and Soul by Fishbone. Until then, of course, always remember, never forget, wherever you go in life, there you are. There you are. There you are.